Welcome to this Acadia Divinity College Chapel podcast. I am Stuart Blythe, a member of the faculty ADC and the Dean of Chapel. Here, you'll get a chance to hear perceptive and powerful sermons which were delivered by staff, faculty, students, alumni and guests as part of our weekly Wednesday Chapel services. Normally, the Board of Ministerial Standards Education is meeting in Wolfville this week, and quite often we come and join in chapel. And of course, we're still in a bit of a strange time, and so most of us are not able to be there in person, but uh, really happy to be in chapel today with you uh, with this Zoom format. And, and probably because of that, we have some people from different locations that, that normally wouldn't be able to attend if we were all in person. So I want to welcome you as well. I'm going to jump right in. This I could have said, given a title to this, calling it the model church. In a sense, it is it is a bit of a model church. I think Paul is holding this church up as a model. And I want to jump right in and talk about it if we could. Uh, Thessalonica was a major bustling seaport, a city about 200 miles north of Athens. And uh, interestingly, oops, is it going to let me advance my slide for some reason? Someone with more knowledge than I help me out here. I'm just getting little beeps and it's not going to let me advance the slides. Well, Goodness. Not sure why. It was working fine earlier. <laughs> All right, let's just forget about the slides and carry on. Um, yeah, I had a picture of the present day city Thessaloniki, which is uh, the seaport uh, in, in that same location. But it's interesting in Acts chapter 17. Paul and Silas traveled to uh, Thessalonica and they began to preach Jesus in the city. It's interesting that it says that there were a number of Jews, God-fearing Greeks, and prominent women who responded to the message of the good news of Jesus. And they turned to Christ. Now the Thessalonians uh, believed in a plethora of gods. Uh, they thought Paul was preaching blasphemy. Uh, there was an uproar in the city over his preaching and the message. And Paul and Silas were finally whisked away in the middle of the night for their own protection. He was in the city for about three weeks preaching the good news of Jesus. And out of that three-week period of preaching, this church is born. It's an amazing story of both the preaching of the word and the power of the spirit. Uh, this letter is could very well be Paul's earliest letter, earliest epistle. Uh, and in, for the most part, the message of 1 Thessalonians is a very positive message. He was very high on this church. And we, uh, as Luke read earlier, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Paul loved these people. And he prayed for them constantly. Now, normally, epistles were occasional documents. They were written because there was a problem, there was an error, there was something to address in the church. And this is one of the few epistles that wasn't written to address an error. Now, lest we think Thessalonians were amazing, 
just remember there is second Thessalonians. And so after a while, they too ran into trouble and Paul had to write to correct some things about their understanding of the coming of the Lord. But anyway, he loved this church. And, you know, again, for preachers, here's this wonderful little three point sermon that Paul creates for us. When he talks about the church, he said he was so excited about their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, and their endurance inspired by hope. And I, I just wanted to take a few moments and talk about those three things this morning that, that really identified this church, and I think is still a model for the church today. First, he talked about their work produced by faith. These Thessalonian believers uh, embraced the message of Christ. But Paul says in verse 5, he said, I didn't come to you simply with words, but with the power and with the Holy Spirit, or the power of the Holy Spirit. He did preach the gospel, folks. He talked to them about Jesus of Nazareth, who had come from God, uh, who was crucified, buried, and risen again on the third day to offer forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who would believe in him. Preaching with words or the charisma is incredibly important. People need to hear the gospel in order to respond. Yet Paul knew that words were not enough. The Holy Spirit worked powerfully to change hearts and minds and to, to transform these people. That in three short weeks, the church of passionate Christ followers was born as a result of the ministry of Paul and Silas. These are people who have been steeped in paganism. They worshiped the pantheon of gods, not the least of which was Caesar himself. Yet they had a complete change of heart and change of direction. The Spirit of God moved them so deeply that they embraced Jesus with what Paul called deep conviction, or one translation says, full assurance. Paul talked about this incredible reception when he said that the people, how the people had turned, he says they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Something powerful had turned their hearts and minds to Jesus. And in the months that followed, this brief evangelistic encounter, the believers followed Jesus with full assurance, with faith, and experienced the salvation of God. This is the power of God, and it's still at times a mystery to us. Let me tell you a story about Dave. Now, I changed his name, so it's not really Dave, but I'm going to call him Dave. Uh, Dave showed up at our church one Sunday evening, and that's probably why I know the Holy Spirit was involved. Because Sunday evening services, folks, in my church, no one but the absolute faithful saints of God ever showed up to Sunday night church. Anyway, Dave showed up. I don't know how he got there or why he got there, but he arrived in our church. Young man, I don't know, late 30s, maybe 40 at the most. And I remember talking with him in the lobby after the service. He came over and he wanted to talk. And he said, look, he said, I got to tell you my story. He said, I'm an engineer. I worked for the province and, and I worked in the agricultural department. I'm a water and soil specialist. I went into work the other day and waiting for me on my desk was my pink slip. I was let go after, I think it was 14 or 15 years he'd worked there. He went home devastated only to find a note that his wife and children were gone and she said she was leaving and not coming back. And he began to pour his heart out in those few moments. And he said, it's as though someone tossed a rock 
into a clear blue, blue lake. But he said the ripples just keep going on and on and on. And my heart was broken for days. Some of us began walking with him and just building a relationship. We'd go to breakfast. We'd go out to lunch. We'd chat. He started coming to church very faithfully. Um, <clears throat> another one of the men in the church really came alongside Dave as well and just developed a deep friendship. And eventually he joined the choir. He was interested in music and he kept coming to church. He joined the choir. The choir embraced him and loved him. He got really involved. Uh, he was a bit mixed up theologically. He said he came from a nominal Baptist family. But I got to tell you, his beliefs were syncretistic at the best. He had, a, he had just a strange mix of what he, he, he believed. But actually, if anything, he was more just confused. And I thought, well, somehow, some way, I've got to get ready to share the gospel with Dave. To give him the good news of Jesus. And uh, finally, one night, it was a beautiful season. And I thought, summer night. I'm going to ask him if he'll come out to my house and we'll just sit and watch the sunset. And that's where I'm going to pounce on him with the gospel. And uh, anyway, Dave came to our house. We sat and chatted for a while. And I thought, this is the time. And I began to explain to him just the simple truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I got through my entire presentation just thinking he's going to be ready to say yes to Jesus. And he looked me square in the eye and said, uh, you want to go watch the sunset now? And I thought, oh, dear, that was probably the first sign of the spirits moving in this encounter. Anyway, didn't want to talk about it. We watched the sunset. He went home and I thought, boy, did I ever blow it. Later on, the choir was singing in Easter Cantata, a very moving uh, set of songs around the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And in the middle of that cantata, Dave broke down weeping and accepted Christ, and the, the choir just came around him and loved him and, and embraced him and welcomed him into the kingdom. The Spirit of God, not just with words or words only, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, touched this man's life, and he had a major transformation in coming to Christ. We need to trust the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing Paul commends this church for is their labor prompted by love. And I love this. If you look at it and, and you wonder, what is it that motivated these Thessalonian believers? Well, Paul, in his greeting, he made this amazing confession. He says, for we know, brothers and sisters, in verse 4, loved by God that he has chosen you. Some translations call them the beloved. And I think that was the one Luke read today as well. Imagine it, loved by God chosen they were the elect i confess i still don't quite fully understand all this you know i grew up thinking the bible said well whosoever will may come and there's a sense in which anyone who comes and turns to christ will be welcomed and received but at the same time we realize once we've come to christ that literally he has chosen us that we are the elect it's an incredible thing to know that we are loved by god and chosen by god Ephesians chapter 1, there's just this amazing uh, passage where Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, 
to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It's amazing to think that your coming to Christ and your person gives pleasure to God. It just blows my mind. God takes great pleasure in you as a child of God. Brennan Manning told a story about Edward Farrell. He was a priest from Detroit. He had two weeks vacation and he went home to Ireland to be with his family. And he wanted to celebrate his uh, uncle. Uh, his uncle was celebrating his 80th birthday. And on that great day, Ed got up very early in the morning to walk along the shores of Lake Killarney with his uncle. They stopped to watch the sunrise. They stood there for about 20 minutes together, quietly watching the sunrise and then resumed walking. Ed glanced at his uncle and saw that his face had broken into a broad smile. Ed said, Uncle Seamus, you look very happy. I am, lad. You want to tell me why? His uncle replied, yes, you see, my Abba is very fond of me. To know that you are loved by God gives you a sense of freedom to be able to share with others the love of God. And then third and finally, Paul talked about the endurance inspired by hope. If you read 1 Thessalonians, you'll find, or if you even go into the book of Acts, you'll find that this church experienced persecution and suffering very early on. And probably there were people who died for their faith. Paul said, you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Now that seems like an oxymoron. Do suffering and joy go together? But Paul said, you experience this severe suffering, but we're given the joy of the Holy Spirit to live in the midst of that. How can we put these two together? The sense of patient hope in the face of suffering. There's two, two things. We, we talk, he talks about the endurance or to endure, but it also says later on that they waited for the Lord. Now that may be waiting for the second coming, but it also may be waiting for the deliverance the Lord might bring them. But those two words, endurance and wait, are very powerful and important words. The connotation there is of persevering, of having the ability to endure and to wait. The word hope speaks of confidently looking forward to an assured future. It is a confident expectation that God has not forsaken you and that the Holy Spirit can give you joy in the midst of pain and suffering. The Thessalonian Christians understood at a deep level the act of patiently enduring based on a hope that is sure and certain because of the faithfulness and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you one last story. When I pastored in Truro, I got to know a preacher by the name of Reverend Gordon Chapel. Gordon was in the local nursing home. In fact, he'd been there for many years. He really wasn't that old of a man. I, I don't know, he might have been my age or just a tiny bit older. But before he was 40 years old, he suffered a series of devastating strokes 
that incapacitated him and meant that he ended up in a nursing home by the time he was 40 in a wheelchair. He was pretty much abandoned by everyone. He was alone. And I had a couple of ladies in the church that faithfully visited the nursing home and visited Reverend Gordon Chapel. I, I did visit him as a pastor, but not nearly as much as I should have. But these two ladies were faithful. And one day they came to me and they said, Pastor, we need to take Bible study to Gordon at least once a month. He's no longer able to get out of church, get out to church. In fact, now he was almost bedridden all the time. He spent 28 years in the nursing home, almost at the end, very, very incapacitated. His speech, even his speech was slurred, had to have people do everything for him, feed him, shave him, bathe him, take care of him. The amazing thing about Gordon was that uh, Gordon didn't complain. He didn't talk about the terrible loneliness and the isolation that he experienced day after day after day. We'd go to visit him and say, how can we pray for you? He'd say, how can I pray for you? Because I pray for you every day and I pray for the church every day. And so once a month, we'd take the entire Bible study group. Finally, they had to give us a bigger room. We had too many people piling into this little room. And I'd look at Gordon and I'd say, Gordon, is there a scripture we can read to you today? Gordon always said the same thing every time. He said, Romans 8, Romans 8, begins with no condemnation, ends with no separation. Greatest chapter in the Bible. Read Romans 8. And every time we would read Romans 8, begins with no condemnation, ends with no separation. Listen to these words at the end of Romans chapter 8. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I feel bad that we couldn't have the slides because I got a picture, a beautiful picture of the wing where. Gordon stayed. In fact, because they built a new nursing home and he'd been there so long, they named the wing after him. It's called Chapel Court. There's a beautiful sign there today. Gordon is, is gone now. He's with the Lord. He's rejoicing. But Gordon's endurance was inspired by a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had nothing and no one to rely upon, and he spent so many long days confined to a wheelchair or confined to his bed. He should have given up. He should have quit. He should have been bitter. He should have been angry. But he endured 28 years of affliction because of the great hope that he had in Jesus Christ. Folks, we're living in difficult and strange days. and We see the things happening around the world. We know so many are suffering and experiencing difficulties. As a leader, you may be discouraged. As Christian people, you may be discouraged or finding it hard to sustain your faith and your hope in God, but don't give up. Trust in God and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit. May we be more like these Thessalonian believers. May our good works be produced by faith. May we continue to labor for the Lord, a labor prompted by the love of God. And may we be inspired by a deep 
an enduring hope in Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Thank you for joining us in this Acadia Divinity College Chapel Podcast. You can follow us on social media. Discover more on our website at acadiadiv.ca or join us for chapel on a Wednesday.